Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about creativity, how to get it going and how to keep it there. Yes. Where are we going to start, Jonathan? But this was your idea. Do you want to kick it off? I'm curious exactly what caused you to think of this and, and where you want to go. Well, actually, what caused me to think of this is we just landed a contract to buy our next home. I've been looking at the place and, you know, I like I'm a I'm a closet interior designer. I've just spent the last maybe five or six days having so much fun diving into it, looking at ideas, talking with a couple of friends and my husband going to the closet store. Right. (laughs) To look at what's available, looking at furniture online, looking at furniture in person, going to the Home Depot. So it just kind of struck me the process of being creative and then kind of staying in touch with that through the process. And I'm just having so much fun. To me, it's like doing certain kinds of creative tasks at work. So that's that's what got me started on it. Gotcha. Okay, super interesting. And my background outside of coloring books when I was little or, or finger paint and so on. The, my first serious creative endeavor was music. I got a little bit of a late start. I was about 15 when I started to take it super seriously. That's been a lifelong thing. And I took it seriously in the professional sense for about a decade where I was actually trying to make money at it and doing paid gigs and running open mic nights. And I was just in that community as a job. But I eventually went back to computers, which was something I started even earlier than 15. And for me, it was a a better fit in terms of making the mortgage payments, you know, doing computer (laughs) stuff. But I found it to be equally creative. And it feels like the same part of my mind is doing each thing because programming is kind of like improvisation within constraints, which is very much what music is for me. You're improvising, you're not, you're not copying, even if you start out there, and that's how you learn then you eventually get into this place where you're making stuff up. So when I say improvise, I don't mean like jazz solo. I mean like you're making things up, but within some pretty specific constraints. But for me now, music now is more of of kind of what you described. It's a non-business pursuit. And I see the experience of doing it is more like a joyride. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, this is really fun, but there's nothing really hanging in the balance. I'm not putting anything at risk. I'm not, I'm not even putting most of it out into the world at large. It's just sort of maybe some friends or family sitting around listening to me strum a few chords. It's not the same thing as what I would consider a creative business pursuit or I'm not trying to make an impact. I'm not doing anything with it in that regard. And to me, that's, I feel like the more interesting piece of the, this podcast for our listeners would be how to keep creativity alive and exciting and productive in a pursuit. I hesitate to say business. It doesn't have to be a commercial pursuit, but it it needs to be something that you are trying to put into the world, change minds, promote your big idea. And when I say promote, I mean, have it spread spread this idea. You're trying to change minds with these creative pursuits that you're engaging in. So that's, that's kind of how I take it. It's like, it's, it's easy for me. It's easy to pick up a guitar and strum a few chords. And that was fun. And an hour later, it doesn't matter. It's gone. Like I said, it's like a joyride. Woohoo, fun. <laughs> I think where it gets really hard is when you need to do it on a regular basis, on a schedule, perhaps someone else's schedule, and you need to put it in the world and you need to take all the slings and arrows coming back at you. That can really take the fun out of it. 
And to me, that's where it starts to, you become in the general sense, a professional, like you are doing this and it's a practice that you take seriously. I see these things very differently. And, and for me, they're a pretty short list of tactics that work for me and probably work for a lot of people. And the first one for me is to have a really clear focus on what, what it is that I'm trying to promote, like what idea I'm trying to spread, what is the message, what's the mission, what's the thing, get clear on that. We've talked about that a million times. But once you have that, okay, how do you create something new and put it into the world on a regular basis? And to me, if I had to say just one, if, if there had to be just one tip or trick that I would give to people, it's do it every single day, whether you feel like it or not, and turn it into a daily practice. If you do that, not only does it create an enormous amount of output, like it's shocking how much more output you'll get from a daily habit than even a weekly habit. And it's more than seven times the output because weekly habits are really hard to stick to. So you probably won't even stick to them weekly. At least that's the, ask anybody who started a blog, they'll tell you they, <laughs> they go months at a time without updating it. You're good about weekly, but a lot of people, they fall off that train pretty quickly. Having a daily practice, and this is going to lead into the second thing, but having a daily practice, not worrying about what I almost said was don't worry about the quality, but it's not that. If you're doing something daily and you're putting it into the world, you're creating something new, putting it into the world, you cannot be a perfectionist about it. It just prevents perfectionism. Right. You just got to ship it. And you get into this habit of shipping every day and you get better at doing a better job of it. So you, you ship something out, it's junk, you hate it, people yell at you. <laughs> it just totally doesn't work. <laughs> Or, or even worse, nobody reacts to it at all. It's just, it just disappears. It's just like soggy diaper. Nothing does nothing. Okay, well, you did it. It's over. You learned. You'll do it better next time. And that cycle, I'm sure there's another way to do it, but that cycle for me is the way to go. And once once you've got that happening, that daily practice of putting something new into the world to your audience or the general public, all these crazy un you know, things that you never would have predicted start happening around it that kind of feed the creativity and help it. Not, I mean, you still have to contribute to it, but it takes on a momentum of its own. It, it starts to fuel itself is what I'm trying to say. This is interesting because I find myself wanting to agree with you and wanting to disagree with you at the same time. <laughs> because I hear what you're saying. And what I love about what you're saying is that regular practice is what helps us because the faster we do things, the faster we get feedback, the faster we get better, the faster we connect with people through our work. So all those things are great. The part where I struggle is the daily practice. And it may be me, it may be the majority of my clientele, but for a lot of my clients, if I say, you've got to do this every day, they just like snap up and, and, and break off and go away. Whereas if we say, all right, so what you need to do, and I'm going to talk about blogging just separately for a moment, because I think that's different than social media, podcasting videos. So what I would say is you blog once a week and you set a schedule around it. And that schedule is inviolate. You do that no matter what. And then what I find with people who will commit to once a week and actually do it is eventually, I think they get to what I would call every day, which is not necessarily like what you do with an email every day, but it might be a blog post once a week, twice a week, 
something with social media, something with a video, something with a podcast. So when you get right down to it, they probably are producing something, but not it's not all the same thing. When I hear you talk, I see your daily email practice. That's a big thing for a lot of people to bite off. I love it. I love the idea. But I think I think you can also, depending on how you're wired, you can also do it in a different way as long as you're putting it out there so you're getting some feedback. Yeah, I'm totally not going to argue with any of that. I hear it all the time. People are like, just can't believe that I'm actually writing these emails every day and they come out every day and I've got a, a very, very short list of friends and colleagues who do like a, a daily blog or a daily email or something like that, daily podcast. And I know that the reaction is, the calculus is, I can't even keep up with weekly, how can I do daily? I won't push on daily anymore in this episode, but I will say that it's easier to do daily than weekly for me. Right. I used to do weekly, and I believe we've talked about this before, it's just the priority in my head goes up. It's always in the back of my mind. So whenever anything happens to me, I'm like, oh, this is what I'll write about today. And then I write about it and then it's done. And then I do the same thing next day. I never have to think about it. I don't have to put it on a to-do list because I either wrote the email that day or I didn't. So I still have it to do. But I completely recognize that people panic when, and, and so did I. I mean, I was drug kicking and screaming into <laughs> daily email by a friend of mine, Philip Morgan. And I tried to hedge my bets at the beginning too. And I queued him up and all that stuff. Now it's just for me, for me, it's a lot easier to do this. I think a lot of people who are listening to this and think it's total insanity and would never work for them. I think a, a significant percentage of those people are wrong. I think a significant percentage of people listening to this, if they tried it and stuck with it for two weeks, they would find that it's actually easier than weekly. Some people wouldn't, but I recognize that all of those people think it would be hard. I don't think it has to be daily. It doesn't have to be one thing every day, but you know, there's a reason why it's called a practice, right? Like a medical practice. Like you need to practice creating, like you need to practice doing it. It's not this magic thing. Like you, if you're sitting around staring at a blank page, there's something going on. So you need to break through that. It's like, why are you staring at a blank page? It's because you haven't practiced being creative. If, in my opinion, you've forgotten how to be creative. Little kids don't, little kids, I have little kids. They don't get writer's block. They don't get artist block. They just draw. You know, they just type, they just animate, they just make stuff because they're not judging the output as they're trying to create it, which I, I think is the root of a lot of writer's block is you're judging yourself as you're in the creative process before you're even done. Oh, this isn't going to be good enough. This isn't going to be amazing. This isn't going to be world changing. It's like, yeah, well, no kidding. Write it anyway. Yeah, you have to write. It's funny. I do this all the time at, at home and I'll be sitting there to your point about writing once a week and I'll be thinking about it all week. And I, you know, I have a file with ideas and things. And then I'll say something usually to my husband or my VA and I'll say, oh, well, you know, I was thinking about this, but I just don't know what to say. Just write is what they say to me every time. I'm like, oh yeah, the idea will come to you or how to deal with it will come to you as you write. And it always does. It doesn't mean it's a masterpiece. Most of the time it's not. It's an idea that I try to work out to help my audience and me. I help myself with my work as much as I help anybody else. Sure. Daily aside, there needs to be a practice. You need to be practicing being creative. And it's not always fun. Seth Godin says, plumbers don't get plumbers blocked. <laughs> you just, they just show up. They don't wait to be inspired. They show up and they do their job and they go home. Being creative is, it's a job. Like just show up and do it. 
and don't sit around waiting for the muse to kind of flow through you that maybe that'll happen sometimes. It certainly happened to me when I was in a band every once in a while, we would blast out a song in five minutes and it was like, where did that come from? But we were rehearsing four nights a week. The reason that that one song came out in five minutes is that we were, we could read each other's minds musically. We were super tight. We clicked. And we, the reason we clicked is because we practiced all the time together. Right. You were practicing. Yeah. Not because some magic spirit inhabited us and it, we were channeling the beyond. I don't think anyone is going to do great work that's going to change people's minds and change the world unless they show up every day and, and work on it. Maybe you don't send an email every day or maybe you don't paint a painting every day, but it's a practice. It's a practice. And this is where the mission comes in. So if you, because you're not always going to hit a home run, you'll hardly ever hit a home run. You're lucky if it's one in 10. And if you don't, if you're not on a mission or have a big idea that you think is important, or you're not trying to change the culture, if you're not driven by in some way, it's going to be pretty hard to keep it going in between home runs. Yeah. So yeah. that's the, it's kind of the benefit of the purpose, mission, vision, big idea, all of that stuff is to take you through, to keep you showing up at your desk, doing your thing and cranking it out so that you know, and, and maybe you just hit singles and doubles all day long, you know, or every day, but then every once in a while, boom, grand slam. And the other stuff's good. Yeah. I mean, it has to be right on some level, because that's what practice does is you get better. But the thing that, that strikes me about this is a word that people don't often associate with creativity, which is schedule. Mm hmm. And I'm not saying I think everybody should say every morning at 7.30 to 8 or 8.30, I'm going to do X. But I think that it's really easy to not make time for creativity. It's just easy. There's so many other things you can do. You can answer your emails. You can play on social media. You can get lost in Facebook. But to sit there and put out content, ideas, connections that are related to your big idea, you've got to give yourself the time to sit down or run and do it. You actually don't have to sit, but you have to give yourself time to in your schedule to get that done. Without it, it, it doesn't happen. Right. You used the word inviolate earlier, which is, I think, the crux of it for most people. The feedback I get from people is, I know I should be blogging. This is a classic one. I know I should be blogging. I did it for a couple of weeks and then a month went by and then their next blog post is like, I can't believe I haven't posted in six weeks. <laughs> like right. super self-referential. It's like, okay, the people I'm talking about are, are freelancers and consultants that heard that there's a tactic called blogging or content marketing that gets them this thing called SEO that they don't really understand, but they know it's good and I should be typing into the internet. It's a completely selfish. And when I say selfish, I don't mean, I mean, self-centered, maybe self-centered. Yeah. It's me focused. I need to be doing this so that I will get more show up in more searches so I will get more leads, so I will get more business, so I can go on vacation twice a year instead of being on this hamster wheel. Instead of starting with, there's this wrong that I want to write in the world and going out and banging that drum, whatever. Hourly billing is not, this is crazy. This is wrecking wealth creation with more than 50% of the, the workforce in the United States, which is now all self-employed. 
So, okay, I can get on that soapbox and try and help those people. Like, and so instead of thinking about I, 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 what's in it for me if I do this blogging every day or every month or every week or whatever I stick to, to me, it's sort of a push. Well, how, how about this? You're working on something that's bigger than yourself. Yes. And somehow that's just easier. It's like when you, you have a friend and you're describing that friend to somebody else, you are going to talk about all the wonderful attributes of that friend and you're going to get excited about that friend and you're going to promote that friend. It's really hard to do that for yourself. Because you, you're going to be humble about yourself probably, but you're not going to be humble about your friend. Yeah. 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 It's bigger than you. So you put your ego aside. It's not about you anymore. It's about, you know, in my example, it's about the friend, but in your example, it's about the idea. Right. Well, it's about the reader. You, dear reader, you, dear listener, here's this thing that I stumbled across by accident, but I've been thinking about it for 10 years and I'm sure there's something there that was going to help certain kinds of people that are in a certain situation. So I feel, you know, this sort of missionary zeal that keeps you going when, you know, you have no reason to believe that anybody cares. But when you do that, consistently. And when I say consistently, I mean, I don't necessarily mean every day at 10 a.m. because I certainly don't do that. But when you do it a lot, more than more than could be reasonably expected from a normal person, then it starts to actually have an effect or it can start to actually have an effect and it feeds back on itself. So you start to get feedback And it sort of drives the creativity. So it gives you ideas when people ask you questions or when people share their success stories or when people explain how they understand what you said. And all of a sudden it creates a virtuous cycle of like, okay, here's this, here's this thing that's important to me. I know it's not the main thing for you, but it does affect your life. So, you know, you can create this cycle if things just get easier. So I'm I'm reading this, I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I'm reading the Leonardo by, um, oh, what's his name? The biographer, the Steve Jobs biographer guy. Oh, Walter Isaacson. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. And they went to work every day. He, he didn't just become Leonardo da Vinci. He was an apprentice at a uh, studio. I can't remember the, the studio owner's name, but there was like a famous artist at the time who had this studio of people and he would come in and he'd work on the dog in a portrait, you know, or he'd work on the, the background you know, or the clouds or tree, some tree. And he showed up every day and that's what he did. He was obsessed with it and he just loved doing it. He didn't just come fully formed out of the womb as like the world's greatest painter. He showed up and he practiced and he did it more and more and more and he got feedback. And the reason I thought of it was because they had patrons. Like, so they became known for a particular thing. And so that would attract a particular kind of customer who had wanted that thing. And so they would get better at that thing. It was kind of a specialty in this example, it became a specialty that they got better and better at because it was self-reinforcing. It's so it's a commercial example of an artistic pursuit reinforcing itself because they made an, the, the studio had a name for itself as being focused on a particular thing. I mean, that makes sense, right? That shouldn't be surprising to anyone. Right. Right. So it's the same kind of thing. It's like, well, what's the what's the thing you're focused on? What's the what's the thing that you do? What's your specialty? What's your big idea, your specific big idea? Mm -hmm. And if you show up regularly and are 
creating new stuff, stuff that was never, you're birthing new ideas into the world or a new way to describe an idea into the world. And you're putting it out there. That's an important piece. Then it's going to start to self-reinforce and then it just gets easier. Then it's like, you've got this flywheel sort of effect going and it's kind of hard to stop. Like if I stopped doing daily emails today, I would still continue to get messages from people. I don't know how long, but for a long time. Right. You know, cause I know because people accidentally unsubscribe or I clean out my list or something like that. And six months later, someone would be like, oh, how come you stopped emailing? Like as I have a question, blah, blah, blah whatever. <laughs> and they, they would suck you back into it. You would have to try really hard to stop that flywheel. Once you get it going, I guess the point we're making is like, how do you keep creativity going? It's like, well, once you do it in a clear and focused way, maybe you're not a genius at it, but if you keep showing up and doing it, it starts to get easier and easier and easier. Well, there's something kind of buried in there too, which here's the way I would say it is creativity is not a solo act. When you think about it, it's like, well, no, wait a minute. I'm off by myself. I'm thinking about this. I'm making something. I'm writing about an idea. But what happens is the second that you put it out there, it's not a solo act anymore. And I think all of our work gets impacted by what people have to say about it, hopefully in a positive way, right? We're, we're fixing things that don't sit right with people. We're learning new ways to talk about ideas so that people get it. It's not like that we're the genius up on the mount. It's we're trying to understand how people view this and communicate with them better with ideas. So I think even though the genesis of the idea probably came solo, it's once it's out there, it's, it's, you're not alone anymore. There's other people kind of helping you co-generate the ideas. What do you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree. It opens up an interesting topic about trolls. In my opinion, there's two kinds of feedback you can get, at least two kinds of feedback that you can get. One is constructive criticism from people who are enrolled in the journey that you're on, people who get get the joke. Yeah. I actually get this from people who, and I appreciate it, people will send me an email like, I love all your emails, but this one really rubbed me the wrong way, or this one I don't understand, maybe I don't get it. They're there to help me clarify the idea or the way that I'm presenting the idea. And then you get people that just don't get it. In my case, it's like the hacker news sort of people you know, this is a broad brush and I spend very little time on Hacker News because of it. And I'm sure there are nice people on Hacker News, but largely it strikes me as a very cynical uh, group that... Well, it has Hacker in the title. Yeah. <laughs> it's very aggressive and lots of very dismissive and mean comments are made. And sometimes people be like, oh, one of your, one of your articles showed up on Hacker News and people are ripping it to shreds, you know, here's the link so you can defend yourself. And I'm like, not, no, no, like they don't get it. People who are just attacking the idea aren't the ones I'm trying to reach because they don't see the problem. Not everybody's on the same journey with you. Even something that affects literally everyone like global warming, not everybody's enrolled in that concept. The point is like certain feedback should be ignored. You know, you should hide yourself from, insulate yourself from certain kinds of feedback from people who don't get it. They just don't get it. You're not here to browbeat someone into, you know, prove someone wrong or force them to change their mind. You want to find receptive minds, I think. Look for people who are receptive to the message and are struggling with the things that your big idea is going to help with and say like, hey, you know, 
I think this might help you. And then those folks, if they have feedback, fabulous. Yeah. You know, constructive. Exactly. Exactly. We want that. Mm -hmm. Or at least we think we do till it comes. (laughs) Yeah. It's still, it still can be hard. It's frustrating because you're like, oh, I thought that was a really clear metaphor. And somebody's like, um, and then they'll, they'll bring their perspective to the table and I'll say, oh, you know what? Yeah. I wasn't thinking about people who are in Belarus or, you know, it was, it was like, oh, this is a very American post actually in retrospect. This is a very U.S. focused type of thing or whatever. And they sort of reveal your assumptions to you. And that's all great. It does It's not always fun. It's definitely positive. Yeah, it's helpful. Yeah. If, if your goal is to help other people, you need that feedback in order to know how to help them better. Like, oh, here's, here's a bunch of blind spots I have. It's not fun to find out you have blind spots, but knowing where they are and fixing them is great. Yeah. Cause ultimately it's going to help you put your creative thing out into the world and get people to enroll in it. Cause at the end of the day, that's what you want. You don't really care about being right. You care about getting the idea, making the change, the transformation that you're focused on and getting other people enrolled in that process. Yeah, exactly. We've solved it. (laughs) (laughs) Do people need to be convinced that creativity is important? I don't think so. I don't think so. And they might use different words than creativity. If I'm working with somebody in a deeply technical field, like say an engineer, they might not use the word creative. They might use the word innovation. And there's probably people listening who know there's a huge difference between creativity and innovation. And they're going to explain to us what that difference is. (laughs) Bring it on because I would love to learn it. But they might call it something different. But the feeling about it is the same. Is it how do I create something new? And how do I keep doing that every day? The biggest problem I see, and you know, I have it myself too, is it's the whole scheduling piece. If you know you're going to do something on a consistent basis, you have that in your schedule, but you have to honor that. One of the reasons why I write my blogs on Monday mornings is because Monday morning in my world is like the worst morning to take time off. Like everybody is is working on their own businesses on the weekend and then there's slam messages on Monday morning. But I consciously do it because I always look forward to Monday morning. It's my creative time no matter what. And I shut off the emails and the clients I work with very closely know that I do that. And it's wonderful. I love that. And so only once in a while will I use that time for something else. And I will only do it if I immediately put on my calendar. And for me, it usually has to be mornings, but another morning um, where I'm going to write that because the closer I get to the next Monday, which is when I'll post that post, the more nervous and anxious get the way you're describing your journey, Jonathan. And then I'm starting to think if it's Wednesday, I'm like, uh Oh, I, I, I don't have an idea. I need the idea. What's it going to be? How <laughs> right. am I going to, and, and there's that tape in my head and I can't let it go. It's, I mean, it's terrible until I have the idea sat down and at least have a rough draft. I, I can't let it go. The whole idea of scheduling, I think is challenging for people that are doing a lot of client work. They're just really busy. And You know, the way that I typically get them to get to a schedule is that we've gone through a strategic and tactical process that says, you know, here's what your brand is. Here's your strategy. Here's the action plan. And with that action plan, we're figuring out what do they do themselves? What things can they offload? But writing their ideas isn't usually something they offload. It's something they're going to do themselves. And then it's making that commitment 
to that schedule. And as I said, it doesn't have to be, you know, 930 every Tuesday morning. It just has to be done on a regular basis. It has to be on your list of things that get done that week, no matter what. I mean, you make sure that your kids get to school. You make sure there are groceries in the cabinet. You make sure that you pay your mortgage or your rent bill. It's on the same level as those. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to say. But I know people are listening are like, yeah, yeah, I said that to myself once and I never did it. So I'm one of those people for a long time. I was like, okay, I'm going to blog and publish every Sunday night, which gave me the entire weekend. It's like, it's going to be published Monday morning. I'll write it Sunday night. And all that did was, all that did was give me six days to procrastinate. (laughs) And then Sunday night, I was like, I'd be going to bed and I'd be like, Oh, I forgot to, and then I then write a just awful, I had no idea it's midnight on a Sunday and I would do it. I would press publish and just be like, Oh, that was embarrassing, but at least I did it. Maybe we could wrap up with a couple of not tricks, but like things that I've seen work and things that you've seen work to get people to kind of honor the commitment to themselves to stick to a, some sort of schedule, whether it's a particular time or a particular frequency or whatever. Okay, I said I wasn't going to do this again, but I will do it one last time and say daily is easier. You have to do it every day. So there's no time to procrastinate. You just press send. This is also why I don't blog, by the way. I do it in email because I can't edit it after. I can never, I can't fuss with it after. It's too late. I sent it. Yes, it's full of typos. Too bad. Move on. Another thing that you can do is have some kind of accountability outside of yourself. Because if you just promise it to yourself, it's really easy to secretly violate it. And then you start then you get the cycle of guilt and now I'm too behind. So there's that. So have some kind of other accountability. I do this for my coaching students every other week. They know it's coming and I, and I know they know it's coming and I know it works because I see a flurry of activity the day before our meeting. And yes, they procrastinated for two weeks, but they did get it done. Another thing you can do is it's pretty hard with a weekly habit, but you can, if you get a streak going for yourself, then not breaking the streak becomes more important than skipping whatever the shipping is, whatever the press send is. So it's sort of a chicken or egg thing because you have to get into the habit first. But once you're in the habit and you've switched from, you know, I had a student describe to me recently where he started climbing, like rock climbing. And he noticed when he would talk about it to other people, he would say, um, I'm going climbing his vocabulary changed at a certain point to I'm a climber. Picture yourself or look for and celebrate the switch from I'm writing a blog post to I'm a writer or I'm a, I'm going to do a podcast episode to I'm a podcaster. And I podcast, that's a thing I do. That's a thing I do now. That's part of my identity and get yourself involved in a community of other people who do the same thing. So you can kind of get accountability from, you know, it's kind of like a reading group in a sense, or like a knitting group where people are working on a particular project or they're reading a particular book and they're going to meet about it. There's accountability there. You've made a promise to someone outside of yourself. And then the obvious thing is get a coach. Both of us kind of do this for our clients, our, our customers, our students, where it's kind of like a personal trainer relationship where I'm not going to go to the gym of my own accord. I'm just not. I'm sick of it. I used to be a gym rat, not doing it anymore. It's boring. But I know if I don't do that, I'm not going to fit my clothes anymore. So to put it nicely, so I pay a ton of money to have an appointment twice a week with a person who basically 
says, okay, pick that up 10 times. Now put it down. Now go pick that up 10 times. It's silly that I can't get myself to do that on my own. I, I'm at whatever it is, stage of my life or whatever, where I need that outside accountability. I need some sort of other person involved, whether it's an audience who's expecting something, either I promised them or, you know, on this date, I'm going to announce this thing, or they're just used to a particular frequency of publication. So there's this, in my mind, I can imagine like thousands of people waiting for that email. It's, it's a good kind of pressure. Oh, it's the perfect pressure. You just can't not deliver. Right. right? People will be like, what's wrong? They're waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. My inbox would literally fill up with like, it'd be, it's easier to just write the thing than respond to all the emails. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Whereas whereas I missed today's email. Did I accidentally get unsubscribed? Whatever it is. Right. Right. If you have an idea that you want to spread, you think it's important. You just have to figure it out. Like use one of these tricks, get some accountability, get a group, do something. If you prove to yourself that you can't keep the appointment on Monday morning, like you do, Rochelle, if you prove to yourself that that's not working, don't try harder, try something different. Get a partner or something, get an editor, get a VA even. The VA would be like, where's the article? It's supposed to be. Oh yeah. She's all over me. If I'm not, if I don't have it in hand, (laughs) find yourself a partner. If you need one, there's no shame in any of this. You've got to find the right path for you. And Jonathan and I are perfect examples. We do this very differently. But what we do works for each of us because of our own quirks and needs and schedules. So and, and body clocks. You won't see me. You won't find me at midnight on Sunday writing something. I will be sleeping. Yeah, I'm nocturnal. <laughs> right? So yeah, yeah. So that's the important thing is, is adjust it for you because staying creative is what's going to make the difference in the long run between pushing your idea out and having it be something you just share yourself. Yep. Making a difference. Yep. All right. Great. I think we'll probably leave it there. Perfect. All right. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.